Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Look forward to getting together with the family again this week. Missed you last week, and good to be back up here with you. I mean, I was here last week, but missed you throughout the week, and always fun to get together again. Tonight, come back if you can, 7 o'clock. We, we, we don't like to call it an annual business meeting. That sounds starchy and stuffy and boring, and maybe even if you come from some churches, maybe a lot of fighting going on. We don't do that here at Faith. It is a vision night. It is a night of celebration of what God has done I've got some, we've got some exciting things on the plans for this year. And I want you to be part of your member. You're supposed to be here, by the way. And if you're not, we want you to come anyway and find out what God's doing. And it's at six o'clock right here. And, and if afterwards, tacos. So who can beat that? So that's kind of a good deal wrapped up all in one. So come back tonight at six. We'll have a great time together. Take your Bibles out. Turn to first Corinthians chapter 13. Um, Last sermon on our series, Greater Things, we've looked at some greater things, and there's just a whole list of them. We could have spent a lot, probably a lot more time in this series, but uh, we looked at the greater glory, how that the, the writers of the Old Testament in Habakkuk said there, that, that the glory of the latter temple, or Haggai, would be glory, greater than the glory of the former temple, and so that the glory in the church today is more glorious than whatever happened in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the Old Testament, and that now we carry the glory of God inside of us. And then we looked at the greater sacrifice the next week, and we talked about that the, the blood of Jesus Christ is far, far greater than the blood of bulls and goats. Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring a goat in this morning? Wouldn't that have been, you know, bring a goat here, come to church, bring a goat, we'll slaughter him right here, and then somehow your sins will be covered over till next week. No, that's not like the blood of Jesus. He died once and for all. We put our faith in him, and he saves us and redeems us and cleanses us. And then last week, just uh, bringing greater things out of, out of adversity and trials and situations and gender word. Our ladies uh, retreat speaker did an amazing job here last Sunday morning. If you didn't get that, get the tape or go online and listen to it. You'll, you'll enjoy that. And then the greater destination this morning. Let me, what is heaven going to be like? I wish we had time, take some surveys, interviews. What, what do you think heaven is going to be like? Let me tell you a few interviews that were taken and uh, tell you what some people thought. Chad, age nine, said, heaven will have sand, mountain, caves, dirt, trees, and people. Uh, that's a typical boy. That's a nine-year-old boy, a lot of dirt in heaven, and so we want the dirt there for sure, so it'll be fun. Uh, Richard, age seven, says it has a whole bunch of animals, and it looks pretty. You get to see a lot of things that died, like deer and dogs. So uh, he must live out in the country and have seen a lot of deer hit by the interstate or dogs, and so he will see them all again in glory. That's his thought there. Danny, Danny, age 10, said, there are all these things that have died. There's no crying or anything. There's no crime. There's just a lot of people walking all over the place. It would kind of be like earth with no crime or crying or people beating up on each other. So uh, he might have just got beaten up when he talked about heaven. I don't know, but <laughs> Melissa, age eight, says, I think in the grass there's all kinds of beautiful flowers. Ladybugs crawl on top of the flowers, and bees are a little bit big, but they don't sting. Isn't that good to know? And then Isaac, age 11, says, heaven will be like living in the clouds with Christ, and you can rollerblade on streets of gold. 
Peter will give you fishing lessons and we'll be able to fly. We'll play tag in the sky. That's a pretty awesome description. And then Dustin, age six, said, it's a wonderful place. And he was asked what it looked like. And he said, I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> and then the reality is we don't know. We get a glimpse in the word of God. We get some scriptures. We can talk about it. We see what God's word has to tell us. But, but the reality is none of us can really begin to comprehend how much greater, how much glorious, how much awesomeness heaven is going to be. It's going to be phenomenal. And, and it, it's kind of sad sometimes. We're going to spend most of our life in heaven forever and ever and just a few short years here on the earth. And yet we don't talk about it a whole lot. I remember when I was a kid growing up, every other song was about heaven. Remember that one, we shall see the king, we sh-. it was real staccato, and, uh, and we were going to be in heaven, and we sang about it all the time, and, we don't, and the only time we talk about it is when you come to a funeral, and then we hear about heaven, and, and we know a little bit about heaven through funeral services, and so I wanted to talk this morning about that greater destination. What is heaven going to be like? What is that destination, that home that God has in store for us? So stand with me. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll start with verse number 10. I think the the, the challenge is we've got these finite, puny brains, and it's hard for us to comprehend the infinite. You know, we're we're, we're bound to earth. We're in earth. We're earth beings, and yet to, to, to really describe glory in human vocabulary, human language, is almost an impossibility. How can you take finite words, simple words, and take those words and describe a place so glorious as heaven. And Paul tries to give us a snapshot, and John gives us a, probably the best picture in the book of Revelation. But, but what is heaven going to be like? It's going to be greater, greater. Let's read about a little bit, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10. And it says there, but when perfection comes, imperfection disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish ways behind me. Now we see a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, then I shall know fully as I am known fully. But now these three remain, faith, hope, and love but the greatest of these is love. Father, we love you so much. We just thank you, God, that you are preparing a place for us even now, God, that we will ever be with you. And and Lord, just the thought of it excites us and fills us with joy and how much greater our eternal home will be than anything we've ever known or understood on the earth. But I pray especially, God, for those who may not be ready to go there. I pray that before this service ends today, they will have assurance in their heart and mind that they will spend eternity with you. So Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. We ask it in your holy, mighty name. Amen, amen. Turn to someone, tell them it's gonna be grand and glorious, and then you may be seated. First Corinthians 13 says, when that which is perfect comes, that which is imperfect shall be done away with. Now we know he's talking there about the Lord Jesus Christ and we know he's talking about his second coming because he'd already come once. He came to earth, 
born in the manger, lived 33 years, died on the cross, rose again the third day, and now is at the right hand of the Father. So this is all after that that the Apostle Paul writes to Corinthians. And, he's, and the early church and everybody kind of live with this anticipation that one day Jesus is coming back. He's the perfect one. He will come back. And when that which is perfect has come, when he returns to earth, and everything that is imperfect will be done away with. I didn't have time to read it to you in the whole chapter, but prior to the verse 10, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He says, uh, now we, there, there's tongues and interpretation of tongues, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all these gifts of the Holy Spirit, but, but those are gifts that God needs to help us through this life right now. But I will tell you, in heaven, I won't need any words of knowledge because now then I will fully know as I am known. Now I know in part. So the Holy Spirit works through a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. God speaks to his church through tongues and then the interpretation of tongues or or word of prophecy. I won't need the the gift of healing in heaven anymore. No more sickness, no more pain, no more crying. Now we know in part. I won't need the gift of power anymore. I will have a new, glorious, powerful body. Can you imagine this body being powerful one day? (laughs) I know you're laughing. You look at it. Yeah, right. It will be. So he says everything that's in part will pass away because that which is perfect has come and now I, I have a partial knowledge, now I have a partial understanding, but then I will fully know as I am known because I will see him face to face. Talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we get a glimpse in scripture of what heaven is gonna be like and, and even though it's just a, sh- a partial glimpse, I think it still builds our heart with a little anticipation and joy and his excitement as we think about heaven. So let me just describe it to you as best I can from the word of God. First of all, we know it's gonna be a greater place. Greater place. Heaven is gonna be a real place. It's not just some figment of our imagination. It's not somewhere we go off in our die and our subconscious and we kind of see ourselves uh, floating around. It, it is a actual real place because in John chapter 14, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm, I'm leaving you guys, but he says, if I go away, I will prepare a place. I'll prepare a place for you. Heaven is going to be a very, very real place. Uh, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, and look, if you would, at verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will appear, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. In other words, this world's not all there is and if we're living towards heaven, then our life ought to reflect the glory and goodness of God, right? Our eternal heavenly father. As you look forward to the day of God and the speed is in speed it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Now listen to me. This present world is gonna be burned up, gone. Fire is gonna renovate everything. Everything will be destroyed. Wall Street burned up. 
You hold on to those stocks. You hang on to those bonds. You hang on to that stuff in Wall Street. Gone, burned up. The UN, burned up. No more buildings, no more United Nations, no more peacekeeping bodies on the face of the earth. Banks, gone. All your money, savings account, checking account, gone. Computers, gone. State and federal buildings, gone. Washington, D.C., gone. Gone, 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 destroyed. Church buildings, this building, gone. Burned up and gone. Churches all around the world, just just gone and destroyed, all gone. Well, what is God telling us? He's saying, don't become attached to that which is transient, which is temporary. Don't hang on to it. Don't clutch on to it. Your junk in the house, gone. Your stuff, gone. Your jewelry, gone. Your clothes, gone. Your money, gone. Burned up. Because God's making a new heavens and a new earth. Mm. Gone. The new heavens are permanent. Turn to Hebrews chapter one. Look at this scripture. Hebrews one, verse number 10. He also says, in the beginning, the Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. God made it all, but you know what? They're gonna perish. But you remain. You will all wear out like a garment. Our clothes, our bodies, our life are just like a garment holding the spirit man, the soul. But you remain the same and your year, oh, excuse me, you will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed. You remain the same and your years will never end. God is eternal, we are temporary. These bodies are temporary. These are temporary garments, but there's gonna be a change of garments that will take place so we can spend eternity with our eternal God who alone remains forever and ever and ever. Everything else passes away, only God remains. He is eternal. Garments. Uh, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 1. Now we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. In other words, this is a temporary home. The older I get, the more temporary it feels. I have aches and pains I did not know existed before. There's things happening. My eyes are gone. If I take these glasses, I used to could preach without glasses. I could just... Preach up a storm. Now I can't see anything without my glasses. Can't read scripture, whatever. So I'm thankful for the glasses, but my eyes are going. The tent is failing. The tent is getting older and older and older. But I want to tell you, that's not depressing because it's going to give way to a new body. Hallelujah. Our new bodies will be eternal like our new home in the heavens. And then he gives, in Revelation, we get a little description of this place. Now, let me just tell you, we get two chapters, 21 and 22, that talk a little bit about what heaven's gonna be like. And it describes this place. It talks about uh, silvers and gold and stuff all around. I don't think that's gonna matter, but I will tell you, a lot of that is very symbolic. And when I share some of the symbolism of what he describes being in that city, I I think it's gonna just set you on fire. Uh, First of all, he describes, he says, the new heavens and the earth will be like the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the new city of peace coming down from above, adorned as a bride for her 
room for her husband. The, the city he describes it is 1,500 square miles. Uh, that's, he gives the dimensions in there. I, I don't know why he does that. Uh, in fact, I, I blew it in the early service. I thought about it later. I said 1,500 square feet. That'd be a very small little place to get into. But 1,500 square miles. And he says it's, it's as wide and long as it is high. Now, what are we thinking about? He says New Jerusalem. Okay, think about that. What was in the center of Jerusalem? It was the temple. In the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a perfect cube. It was as wide and deep as it was high. It was a perfect cube. And remember, on that, in that because of the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go in there, and that only once a year. And I preached about that a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the greater sacrifice, and he would offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people upon the Ark of the Covenant. Why is he described the new Jerusalem, the holy city, as a perfect cube? Because he is saying, now all my people can come to me, can be with me forever and ever in this new Jerusalem, in this new holy city, in this new holy place. Wow, it's awesome. And then, then he says, the gates will be gates of pearl. Now, I don't think it's so much about the pearl or the stone that matters, but when you think about pearl, listen to this, a pearl is achieved by the death of the one who made it. Little known fact, I'm gonna share some science with you, you're gonna like this. A pearl is achieved by the death, in other words, a piece of sand, a little piece of sand gets inside of an oyster and it gets inside of that oyster and so what the oyster begins to do, it secretes secretions over that because it recognizes a foreign substance inside of the oyster and it starts to secrete over that and over that and over that and eventually enough secretions make a pearl but when the pearl is formed in the process, the oyster dies. How do we get into the city? Through the gates of pearl. It took the death of Jesus Christ to open up the gates for us so that we can go through and enter that holy city. And that foreign substance came in and it killed our Lord and Savior. But he is alive and now we enter in through his gates of pearl. Wow. Pretty beautiful analogy right there. And then the Lamb of God is the light of the city. No more night. It's not like you need lights, security lights everywhere. We, we, we got our house, and so we got security lights around this house. He told us everybody has security lights now. You need security lights. So we put these lights up, and uh, she'll be lying there in the middle of the night, and the light will go off. Oh, could be a robber out there. Could be a, it's probably a fly or a mosquito going by. You know, those things are so sensitive. A bug goes by, lights go on everywhere, alarms sound. You won't need that in heaven. Jesus Christ will be there. He is the light of the city. There is eternal safety and peace and dwelling in his presence. He lights up the city with his very presence itself. He talks about rivers of life, a tree of life. Life is kind of a theme going on in this everlasting life, eternal city with God in heaven. Uh, you think of the tree of life. What do you think of? Where did we see that tree before? In the book of Genesis, all the way back. Adam and Eve sinned, and as a result, they are cast out of the garden. And so what God does is he lifts the tree of life out of there. He will transplant that in heaven, and I will tell you, we will never, ever die, never, ever get sick, and this tree is the fruit of the month tree. You get different fruit every month. Isn't that awesome? Just walk by, what month is it today? I don't know, but a new fruit today. And it, just an awesome description of the life of God inside this place. A river of life. 
You're reminded of Ezekiel chapter 47 where there, Ezekiel has a dream and he saw this river flow out of the throne and it gets wider and wider and wider and it, it kind of paints a picture of the glory of the Lord covering the whole face of the earth. He talks about going out to ankle deep and then he says, come a little further. Let's get up to the knees and let's get up to the waist. And finally he said, there were waters to swim in and everywhere the water came, it brought fruitfulness. There were plenty of fish, trees, shrubs, everything, because everywhere the life, the water touched, it brought life. There's a fountain of life. There's a river of life. There's a tree of life. Life and joy in its fullest will be in heaven. These are just some pictures, word pictures, so we can begin to understand the glory that's going to be there. He says that the streets are made of gold. Now, what, we walk on asphalt. The asphalt in heaven will be gold. And I don't, know if it's, I don't know what this is trying to con- convey, but it, he's just trying to convey gold was a very precious commodity even all the way back in Bible times as it is today. And so he's trying to describe the glory that will fill that city. I don't care what I walk on. He's just trying to say in human words, the best he can describe it is how glorious heaven is gonna be. It's gonna be a great place. And then the second thing, it's, it's gonna be a, a greater peace. A greater peace. And I, I, I could have chose any word there, greater love and a greater joy, but it began with the letter P. And I'd like all my letters to begin with the same words, to begin with the same letter. So I picked peace. So that's why you got that in your notes, in case you were wondering. But, but verse number 20, turn, turn to Revelation 21. Revelation 21 and verse number four. I want, you, I want you to hear this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order has passed away. Now, now what do we do? We, as human beings, we have an innate, instinctual desire for life. We want to preserve our life, save our life, and we want to live as long as we can. And, and, and men have been look, looking for the perpetual fountain of youth forever, and so ladies find some kind of new cream, all the wrinkles will go away. Isn't that great? And so slap it on, put it on our face, just put it everywhere, put it on our eyes, because we're going to look younger, and we're going to stay younger. Listen, it, age catches up with every single one of us. Slab the cream all you want, it's not going to work. May help for a time, though, so you may want to use it until we get there. Paul says in Philippians 1, I desire to depart. In other words, what is in heaven is so much greater here on the earth if we will think about how glorious it is. And then he says, to die is gain. Not loss. Nothing's lost. I immediately go in the presence of God. I'm gaining. I'm, I'm being promoted. I'm going up. It is awesome. It's gain. Mm. He says in Philippians, uh, uh, he says to be with Christ is far better than even to be on the earth. Revelation 21, I read verse four. One of the striking features of heaven is the absence of negative things, negativity. And in, in this world, we are filled with negativity all around us. Just watch the news for a half hour. You'll be so depressed when that news show is over. I don't care what network it is. Depressing. See what's going on, the, the negative news that is always out there. And so there'll be no more broken homes. No more broken marriages. No more divorce in heaven. If you've ever been through it, you know how bad it hurts and how hard it can be. 
No more wayward children wandering away from the faith and leaving God and getting their lives messed up in this world. None of that going on up there. No more physical illness. No more every time you feel a little twinge or a pain. Is it cancer? Is it cancer? Now, you don't have to worry about that anymore. No more sickness. Sickness. These are earthly, weak, temporary bodies. No more sickness in heaven. Mm. No more extreme poverty, no more violence, no more murders. We don't have to see which is the murder capital of the United States. Is it Chicago? Is it New York? What's going on? I I read one city, 2,000-something people have already been shot this year. This year. 2,000-and-some people killing each other. None of that anymore. It won't be there. No more murders, no more death, no more emotional stress, no more pain and anguish, and the list is endless. We could go on and on and on. No more hospitals, no more funeral homes, no more suffering ever again. But there's also gonna be some amazing things included in heaven, and so he says there will be a fountain of life there. It speaks of everlasting life. But it's not just the length of life, because you can live life and that life can be miserable, or you can live, give life and it can be full of joy and full of peace and full of excitement. And so he's talking about a fullness of life as well as a length of life. It'll be a fountain of life. It'll be a life of peace and joy and love like we have never known. Now, I started with 1 Corinthians 13 for a reason. He says, now we know in part. I want to explain something to you. As children of God, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in what is known as the kingdom of God. Why? Because his rule and reign is inside of us. He dwells in me. And what does he define the kingdom of God is? In Romans chapter 14, he says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So because I have Christ, I have his righteousness, I have his peace, I have his joy. Right? I've got Jesus. I've got him living in me. It is the most exciting, joy-filled filled, peaceful life, righteous life, because it's Christ. And he dwells inside of me. Because I have his Holy Spirit, I have his presence, the kingdom of God is within me right now. Paul says to live is Christ right now. I now have peace as a part of his kingdom. And the Bible describes that peace as a peace that passes all understanding. So when the world can be crumbling around me, I can still trust in God, rest in God, and I can say with the song, it is well with my soul. It may not be well around me, my soul is still well. How many know what I'm talking about? You just know what I'm talking about. But I will tell you, there are still times of anxiety. There are still times of stress. I still get stressed out. I've got the peace of God. Yes, it does pass understanding. I still get anxious. I still worry sometimes. Still fight with that stuff, right? I've got right now joy unspeakable and full of glory. I got Jesus. There are times I cry. There are times I get sad. Times I get discouraged. I, I, I have the love of God shed abroad in my heart, right? I still get incredibly selfish at times. It still becomes all about me because I'm always 
battling this carnal nature. There's this flesh against the spirit war that goes on within my members, the apostle Paul says. And so yes, I have full uh, joy. Yes, I have peace. Yes, I have love. Yes, I have all those things in the kingdom of God. Yes, I have his righteousness, but I still sin. So in some ways, I'm a living contradiction. But then, fullness of joy, fullness of peace, fullness of love, fullness of righteousness. Now everything is in part. This is not all there is, church. And as glorious as my life is in Christ Jesus right now, as joyous as the joy and the peace and the love and all those things he gives us, it will be in fullness greater, greater, greater than you can ever imagine. Wow. So in heaven will be perfect love, perfect joy, and perfect peace. Hallelujah. There will be a greater purpose in heaven. He says in Revelation 21 and verse five, and I make a new thing. All things are new. I, uh, my first wife, many of you know my story and, and uh, know that my first wife was killed in a car wreck June 10th, 2008. And, uh, you know, immediately when that, when that happens, you are filled with grief. And so the grief was there. And I, I struggled with that for a while. It kind of went into a little depression for a few months. And, you know, it's just a tough time. It's tough on anybody who loses a loved one somewhere along the line. But, but the other thing I battled was my thoughts. You know, your mind gets invaded with all these thoughts. And so my thought life was being encroached upon after the death of my wife. And, and it, it, my thoughts went something like this. Okay, God, you took her. Who's gonna pray for me now? She prayed for me every day, just prayed for me. Wake, I'd wake up in the morning, she'd be walking in the room, in the back room, praying for me. Who's gonna intercede for me now? She, she sit, would sit on the front row where Jeannie sits now, and she would cheer me on, and I'd be preaching. She'd be nodding. If I needed some help, I'd look at her, even when I'm doing crummy. Now, there were a few times I got this signal. <laughs> yeah. But she was there cheering me on. I said, God, where's my cheerleader? Where's my right hand? Where's my help mood who's gonna cheer me on through life? She prayed for this church. Who's gonna keep interceding and praying for this church? And she led the women of the church. And who's gonna lead the women? And what, God, you, know, you were using her in such amazing ways. Why now? You know, I just, why now? Didn't make a lot of sense to me. Then the Holy Spirit spoke something into my heart and the veil was removed. He said, she's not gonna stop doing any of that. She's not gonna stop doing any of that. In fact, everything she did here on the earth, she will be doing in a greater dimension in heaven. And that actually became the theme of my, I preached my wife's funeral sermon and that became kind of the theme and, driving factor of that sermon that I preached. She won't stop doing any of that. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me prove it to you in the word of God. Hebrews 12, look if you would, at verse number one and two. Now, this scripture can be interpreted in two ways. I don't think there's any any, uh, crime in either interpretation. I'll give you both of them, and I think both work. But let's look at it first. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
They're surrounding us. They're watching us. Paul paints this picture of, a, of an amphitheater, a theater, a race going on, and this cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So there's this race going on. We're in the race for our lives, the race for eternity, and we're all in that race, and there's this cloud of witnesses pictured in the heavenly realms. Okay? Got it? Let us then fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, sat down at the right hand of God, uh, right hand of the throne of God. And so the, the one interpretation is probably the more cosmic kind of romantic view of these saints who've gone on before us and they're like in this arena saying, you can make it, come on, don't give up, don't stop, and they're cheering us on. And so it was kind of comforting to think that Tanya's in that crowd. Don't quit. Don't stop. You can make it. It's God's church. It's going to go on. The other interpretation could be, because he's coming out of of Hebrews chapter 11, and Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the who's who of faith, and you've got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and all these great heroes of faith and Moses and their lives. There's a brief synopsis of their journey. Daniel's in there, and on and on it goes of these heroes of faith who've gone on before us. Enoch's even mentioned in there. And, And so the reference coming right out of that could be in Hebrews 12, 1. This is the cloud of witnesses. Their life was a witness. Their life was a testimony to us that you can make it, that you will, can run the race as well with perseverance just like they did. I think either interpretation works. It's fine. Uh, in many ways, Tanya was also a great witness with her life and her testimony and the way she lived her life on the earth. So I don't know whether she's cheering me on or not in heaven or just exploring the universe. Right? I mean, it... My life gets boring after a while. She's going to go see Mars and, and Pluto. Pluto's no longer a planet. It got demoted. Pluto's not there anymore. But anyway, go visit the planets. I don't know. But it brought comfort to my heart knowing that she's in that cloud of witnesses. In fact, it does say in Luke chapter 15 that uh, he describes lost and found. And so the shepherd goes and finds the one lost sheep. And when he brings the sheep back, it says it sets off a celebration among all the angels, all the heavenly beings celebrate when one sinner repents and comes back to God. So there is almost this celestial feeling that everybody is cheering us on saying, come on, give your life to God, follow him, serve him. It's worth it. Run that race. Don't stop running. Lay aside those weights. Get rid of that sin of unbelief uh, and keep on pressing on until you also cross your finish line. Mm. And then, and, and so instead of cheering me on from the front row, I felt like my wife was cheering me on from even a, a better vantage point. As close as she was there, cheering me on now from that heavenly vantage point. I don't know. Revelation 5, 6 to 10, turn there real quick. You, you get this scene in heaven of, of activity and things going on. And, and, and it says in verse number 6, then I saw the lamb looking as if he'd been slain, standing in the circle of the throne. So the lamb of God is there, Jesus Christ is there, and encircled by four living creatures and the elders. They had seven horns, seven eyes, these are seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll in his right hand the title deed to planet earth, the title deed for our redemption, took the 
throne from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And so you see this continual worship for God, worship for what God has done, worship because he has redeemed us by his blood. Each one having a harp, and they were filled with the golden bowls full of incense. Listen to this, which are the prayers of the saints. Is he talking about saints in heaven or saints down here on the earth? I don't know, but the scene is a celestial scene around the throne room of God, and it seems to me like those prayers of the saints go on and on and on and on, never stop praying, church. And I just kind of felt in my heart that maybe she's still praying for me, just like she'd walk the patio of our back porch every day. Now she's walking the quarters of heaven praying for me. And they sang a new song, you're worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain with your blood. You purchased men for God. You paid the price. This is the title deed to every single soul on the face of the earth from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and to reign on the earth. Wow. Heaven, heaven is not some retirement village. It's not an extension of Del Webb. Del Webb may be great. Some of you guys live there. It's not another Del Webb. We're not going to sit on our clouds and strum our harps the rest of our life. And that's why, why people aren't so excited about going to heaven. But heaven is a place of perfect fulfillment and purpose and function. And every gift and drive and desire he's placed in your heart and life will be played out to the fullest. Wow. Matthew 24, I don't have time to read all these scriptures. My time is going fast. But he describes, he said, you've been faithful over much, I'll make you ruler over much. In Luke chapter nine, he describes his ruling and reigning over cities with God. We will have dominion over cities with God. You know, God is a creative God. He is so creative in everything he does. You, no, no two fingerprints are alike. Billions of people, nobody ever had the same two fingerprints. I, they tell me no two snowflakes are alike. I don't know who, how they determine that. I don't know. Okay, here comes our snowflake. Nah, it's different than the last one, you know. I don't know where they're checking them off at, but I've heard no two snowflakes are alike. And we had piles of snow out in front of our driveway. None alike. God is a God of endless variety. Satan wants to rip you off into the mundane. He wants to trap you into a life of sin, which is garbage and junk and does nothing. I don't have to preach about staying away from sin if you know Jesus Christ. You don't want that mess anymore. An alcoholic, a drunk, a drug addict, it's the same high, time after time after time. The most miserable people on the face of the earth, they act like they're happy, they act like they're full of joy, they're tipping their glass back, but it's the same old drunk every night. Seen one casino, you've seen them all, all alike. All got the same machines, all got the same slots, all got the same thing that spins around, all got the same tables. Seen one, seen them all. Pornography. It's the biggest ripoff Satan has. It, it, you, Cause you always gotta have more. And it traps you into this miserable life of sin and you feel dirty and cheap. Because you've cheated on your wife and your mind. And, and, and I said it earlier, I, I don't know if there's a kids in here or not, but you've seen one breast, you've seen them all. It's, it's boring. Satan tries to ensnare us. <laughs> I, I, 
Hey, delete that from the tape, please. Uh, the life of sin is a boring grind that grinds you down and weighs you down. But the life in Christ is full of joy and excitement and new every morning. New every morning are your mercies every day. Oh, my. If God made man in his image, listen to me, makes Adam in his image, God is an immensely creative God. If we are made in the image of God, he created us with creativity, purpose, and function. So you have Adam, person number one, gardener, zoologist, organizer, fruitful, leader. And the Bible says he gave him dominion over all the other creation of the earth. Now, because of the fall, we still have dominion in a spiritual realm. I have dominion over principality and authorities through the Lord Jesus Christ inside of me, but I don't have physical dominion. But in that new heavens and the new earth, all that dominion that was lost in the garden will be restored to us. So he will give us rule and reign over cities, over planets, over cosmos, over galaxies, over universes. Wow! Heaven is going to be greater. Greater purpose. And last, a greater presence. I, Revelation 21, two and three. I saw the bride, the, 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 the groom, excuse me, coming down for his bride. I saw the bridegroom adorned coming down. And he says, and God will be with them and he will dwell with them and they will be his God and God, they will be his people. And he talks about that in Revelation. The image of the bridegroom and the bride is so intimate. And he says, in that new heavens and new earth will be a greater intimacy than we've ever known before. Because what, what he's saying in 1 Corinthians, then we will see face to face. Face to face. And now, faith is the substance of things not seen, but in that day, my faith will give way to sight, and now I will be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. And it's gonna be an awesome reunion when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And yes, there will be a reunion day with our loved ones who've known Jesus, who've gone on before us. Yes, there'll be a reunion with Abraham, Isaac, and David and, and all those cool guys in the Bible, but I will tell you, Jesus will be there. And Jesus gave his life for me. No one else did that. He took nails for me in his hands and his feet. No one else did that. He died for me. He's going to be the light of the city. He's going to light it up. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we will be his people. And he will be our people. And all our hopes, all of our dreams, because of his greater presence in that city. I'll read it again, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, for now we see through a glass dimly, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. Face to face, intimate, personal relationship forever and ever with our Lord and Savior. And he closes Revelation twenty two seventeen. I close it the same way. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes 
take the free gift of the water of life. And so he ends out the whole word of God with a divine holy invitation that basically says, come. And I say, Lord, you come back and take us home. I say, come. But it's an invitation to you this morning that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can begin to drink from those waters of life today. You can have everlasting life today. You can know him. You can have him in your heart and life. He will be your Lord and Savior. And so that eternal invitation goes out. And he says to all who hear, come. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.